0: This is episode 76 with internationally recognized yoga expert, endurance sports coach, and the author of eight books on running and yoga, Ms. Sage Roundtree. Hi everyone, this is your host, Jason Fitzgerald, and welcome to another episode of the Strength Running Podcast, where it's my job to bring you the best of the best. Elite runners, top coaches, renowned scientists, best-selling authors, and other experts in the fields of health, nutrition, and performance. The goal, to tease out actionable strategies and ideas to help you plan smarter training and get better results. And our guest today is quite the rock star. I'm speaking with Sage Roundtree, who is the authority on yoga for endurance runners. She's written eight books, including The Athlete's Guide to Yoga, Racing Wisely, Everyday Yoga, and The Runner's Guide to Yoga. She has a PhD in English literature and the highest level of yoga certification possible with the Yoga Alliance. She's worked with everyone from casual athletes to NFL and NBA players, and even Olympians. And our discussion today focuses on yoga for runners and how it can be used in your training to enhance recovery, athleticism, and performance. We're gonna talk more about its benefits, what you can expect, how to schedule it in your training, the importance of periodizing your yoga practice, and a lot more. And before we start, I do wanna thank Steady MD for making this show possible. SteadyMD pairs you with a primary care doctor who's also a runner online. This is someone who really understands training and the demands that it puts on your body. So if you're dealing with an injury or you're fearing the early warning signs of overtraining, Your doctor is now going to be available to you via phone, text, and video chat anytime. Go to SteadyMD.com slash strengthrunning to reserve your spot and check out all of the details. And I think if you're an athlete who does need true preventative care tailored to your unique medical needs and lifestyle, you're really gonna benefit from this. More of the details are on SteadyMD.com slash strengthrunning. Okay, everyone, it's time for my conversation with the great Sage Roundtree. Hi, Sage. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Jason.
0: So I'm excited to talk with you about yoga because you literally wrote the book, The Runner's Guide to Yoga.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've I've written many books on yoga for athletes and also on uh, the art of athletic recovery and the science of athletic recovery, which is a compliment to yoga.
0: Yes, exactly. You've written The Athlete's Guide to Recovery, The Athlete's Guide to Yoga, lots of different uh, topics. I was on Amazon earlier just looking at all the books that you've written. How many have you written at this point?
1: Number eight is at the publisher.
0: Number eight is at the publisher. Well, congratulations. Thanks. Let's go back and maybe start with a very basic question. Uh, and, and this is one that I would say lands in my inbox probably once every two or three weeks. Should I do yoga? What are the benefits? When should I add this to my program? So maybe you can just speak a little bit to, uh, why runners should think about adding yoga to their training plan and what physical skills yoga develops that might be valuable for runners.
1: Sure. Uh, the, the short answer is yes, you should do yoga, but exactly what kind of yoga is where we can, um, make or break your season. Because if you are, um, tight and you're tight as a runner for a specific reason, to deliver efficient transfer of energy to the ground and get you moving through space faster. And then you go to a class that pushes you to your edge, and if, especially if you're coachable and respond well to instructions saying, go, keep going, you could do it, push to the edge, you could hurt yourself. So um, this happens also just with the general population. Folks are told by their doctor, hey, for your back pain, you should do yoga. But yoga is a huge umbrella that comprises a lot of different approaches and styles and a lot of different uh, levels of physical rigor. So while the short answer is yes, the long answer is yes, once you figure out the right class for your own body and where you are in your training cycle, the closer you are to your peak race, the less physically intense the yoga practice you choose should be. So um, that's that complicates. The answer of yes but there are so many benefits for the runner in yoga class you develop strength um This can be especially useful in the off-season or really early in your training cycle. Uh, Core strength, of course, but also foot strength because yoga is practiced in bare feet. Some of us are horrified to take our shoes off and see the the state of our feet. Our toes don't want to separate. It's tough to stand on one leg, but that all improves really quickly with a regular yoga practice. It develops hip strength, which is really useful. It can counteract whatever patterns your body accumulates over the course of your day, not only in your run, but during your commute. And your time sitting at a desk, yoga is a really good antidote to some of the postural patterns that we develop when we're sitting. And uh, it also builds mental strength, which is obviously really critical uh, in races of any distance, whether they're short or long. Yoga also develops flexibility. Um, Flexibility in the hamstrings is something many of us as runners think that we need, but I like to balance that with attention to the hip flexors. And as anybody who's been to a yoga class can probably attest, there are a lot of lunges in yoga class, and the lunge is very similar to the move that we make during the running stride, so it makes sense that we want to have some fluidity and some stability through that uh, lunge position. Uh, yoga develops mental flexibility as well you find yourself in some poses that are humbling uh, if not lightly humiliating but you also find yourself um, able to appreciate the little gains that you can see from session to session finally yoga develops uh, a sense of balance and presence um, and that happens both physically and metaphysically as it were Um, that sense of flexibility like a mental sense of flexibility we would call equanimity that means the ability to stay centered in the face of shifting circumstance. And as any of us who have run a marathon know, circumstances always shifting from mile to mile or quarter mile to quarter mile. And we're able to stay centered and grounded and focused on our original plans uh, when we have some practice being in all different kinds of circumstances that might come up on the yoga mat.
0: Wow, so clearly there's a lot to like about yoga. There's a lot of different skills and and ways of boosting your fitness that yoga can deliver. You mentioned two that really caught my attention, Uh, and and just from a physical perspective, these were strengthening the feet and working on your posture. And I think because so many of us wear, uh, you know, very cushioned or supportive shoes for a majority of the day, we don't spend much time barefoot, a lot of us spend a very big chunk of the day either sitting in front of a computer or you know sitting in in a chair or on the couch or you know something like that when we have you know leisure hours then you know working on these two things you know our posture how we carry ourselves Uh, and the strength of our feet from a running perspective these are critical and from an injury prevention perspective they're things that uh you know i as a coach i'm very interested in because i see them as potentially weak links in uh you know a runner's kind of overall um, ability to run healthy without any injuries now you did mention there's so many things in your answer that i want to get to and we're going (laughs) to unpack that Sage, you delivered an incredible amount of information and such a concise answer. Thank you for that. But you you mentioned types of yoga. You know, obviously, there's a big difference between Bikram and Vinyasa yoga. Uh, I've been to those and a hot yoga class, which I understand is not quite as hot as Bikram yoga, but maybe we can, you know, step back and look at all these different yoga practices and and kind of understand where should someone should start with yoga if they haven't done it before. Uh, and maybe you can speak to that.
1: Happily. Uh, the classes that you mentioned, Jason, are at the spicier end of the spectrum. Um, obviously hot yoga and Bikram yoga are practiced in the heat. Uh, Depending on the place that you went, the room in hot might be anywhere from 80 to 105, or sometimes more if you're in the wrong corner of the room, or the right, depending on how much you like the heat. Um, Bikram can be like 103 to 105 degrees. Uh, and in those styles, generally you're holding poses statically in vinyasa classes, which you mentioned, that means there's movement from pose to pose, and you might not wind up in any pose for too long. And there are obviously benefits to both of these. But as I said, each of them is pretty much at the spicy end of the spectrum. Those would be great for somebody uh, maybe three weeks after their season has ended and they're fully recovered from their race to go and explore as an off-season activity because they have a lot to offer um, physically and mentally. Um, But for folks who are totally new to yoga and might be closer to uh, a peak event, I would send them to something far more gentle, like a class called Gentle Yoga. The thing about Gentle Yoga for folks who are type A's, as many runners are, is that it can be tough to um, quiet the mind in the yoga class and you can find yourself either frustrated or bored. Sometimes people say, oh, I went to that class and it was boring. And I get a little high and mighty and I say, the class was not boring. You were bored in the class, which is a very different thing. Those those can sometimes be advanced practices to go to a simpler class. Um, Just because it's simple doesn't mean that it's easy when your brain won't turn off. So while that physically might be the right place for people to land, um, I think something in between might be better. And generally, you'll you'll hear, you'll see this class is called what we would say in America, Hatha or Hatha yoga. Um, And that means that it's moving at a a moderate pace, um, ideally, pretty slowly through a series of physical postures. Uh, Another really good place to start is something called like Yoga 101 or beginner yoga or a series like that where they break things down for total beginners because then everybody is a beginner. That removes one of the burdens I think runners find when they're coming to yoga class is it can be really scary. Like there are a lot of very spelt 20 something year old women who can touch their toes like before class even starts. And if you self identify as tighter or you feel older um, or you're just not hit to the vibe of the studio and what's up with the incense and the chanting, all of that can be a major barrier to entry for runners. So a beginner series or beginner's class is often a kinder and gentler way to ease into the practice.
0: Now do you always have to go to a class and and I kind of know the answer here the answer oh. is no of course yeah. but you know one <laughs> no, of the of things that not. that I struggled with when I first started doing yoga I would say back in you know maybe 2009 2010 was that I struggled with doing it for 90 minutes because I kind of jumped into the deep end without a life preserver and got into yoga by doing Bikram yoga uh, with a friend of mine. And while I enjoyed it, I did struggle with the fact that it was about an hour and a half. And, you know,
1: and the dosage there of stress for your body is really pretty high, especially if you're already training a whole lot, you might not have 90 minutes really to carve out. Plus, for those hot practices, as you know, you have to budget time for a shower and bring a garbage bag to put your sopping wet clothes into. Like, it's it's a production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of why <laughs> it it we like was. running is that running is easy. You can just head out the door. So Bikram Noka is almost like being a swimmer. Like, you have to pack your bag and plan around it and factor in the shower time. So no, you don't have to do yoga in class. In fact, the ways that you can get the most benefit from yoga come from doing it at home in small chunks regularly, just like with your running. It would be better not to just do one 90 minute run a week, but instead do several runs of 30 minutes. Even if you did only three runs of 30 minutes, it's the same amount of time over the course of the week, but it's going to have a really different physiological effect. On your body. Um, the reason I like to send people to class at the beginning of their yoga career is so that they can have a teacher's eyes on them and make sure that they're not developing bad habits. Because there are some patterns we can get into with our bodies that over time might. Um, put undue stress on our knees or um, where a little alignment tweak that your teacher might offer you in the course of a cue of only a few words might make the whole pose just blossom for you and feel a lot easier. So um, it's good to have a, a balanced diet that maybe starts out with the beginner series at the studio, but then is um, is weighted with a whole lot of home practice, just like it's good to go to restaurants, but you don't want to go to restaurants all the time. Like you really should be nourishing yourself at home.
0: I like that. Now, you, you kind of bring up a second question I was going to ask about frequency, how for the average runner, you know, the average recreational athlete, how much yoga is necessary? And And maybe you can go into how often or how frequent a runner could potentially practice yoga, and then for how long each individual session might be.
1: Right. I would rather see more frequency and lesser duration in each session. So again, like three times 30 minutes would be better than one times 90 minutes over the course of the week. Um, It depends what the runner's individual needs are. Does she need to work on her balance? Is she interested in um, breath capacity and breath awareness and using the breath to support her running? Does she want core strength? Um, So all of that kind of depends. And if I had answers to each of those, then I can devise a plan like when I'm writing yoga for my coaching clients I will put in something you know depending on each of their individual needs but in general um three times 15 minutes I think would show you plenty of uh good shift in your body uh and that could be a dynamic warm-up before a run that develops your awareness of where your body is in space that wakes up your lower legs we already talked about the importance of Uh, the importance of foot strength, um, that sets a a good posture guideline that you can then take into your run that maybe puts a mantra in your mind. And we haven't even talked about some of the wonderful benefits of yoga beyond the the physical practice. Um, or sometimes it means you get back from your run and you do a few stretches down on the floor, but doing more frequency and less duration is probably going to be the best for most of us as runners.
0: Now, you mentioned warming up before a run. Now, I'm a very adamant believer in a dynamic warm-up pre-run, particularly before a challenging run like a workout or definitely before a race. What is the functional difference between a series of dynamic uh, stretches versus you know, a series of yoga movements that might be really similar? Is there a big difference between the two? Or or is it just, you know, yoga, people call it yoga and running coaches say dynamic stretches.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what I would say. (laughs) It's more just a a difference of vocabulary than a difference in the physiology.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, you also brought up a really interesting point earlier. um, And, you know, you've been kind of reinforcing this with talking about where a runner might be in their season or if they're between seasons. And I wanted to ask you about periodizing yoga much in the same way that you would periodize a training plan or even, you know, a, a strength training program. Um, you know, obviously, there's there's really hard yoga, you could do a shorter, much easier session. How do you advise runners to strike the balance between easy and more intense? And how does that fit into kind of the flow of a season from beginning to end?
1: Great question. So I have two answers that at first might sound like they're contradictory, but um, I'll try to explain how they aren't. The first is that over the broad picture, what we might call the macro cycle or the course of a whole training season, the intensity, the physical intensity of the yoga practice ought to be in inverse proportion to the physical intensity of the run training and just the general physical training. So early on in the season, you could try for a spicier style of yoga, but the closer you get to your taper and your peak, the more mellow the physical yoga practice needs to be. So right there is just a simple inverse proportion. That said, Over the course of a training week, I would rather put the harder yoga sessions on medium or even harder run days so that we can keep the easy days easy enough that we're achieving full recovery between hard workout sessions or hard workout days. And I know that kind of sounds like the opposite of inverse proportion, because if you hear inverse proportion and you try to apply that to a week, you might think, oh, I had an easy run, so I'm going to go and do that 90-minute hot Bikram class, except now we don't have an easy day anymore. We've got like a medium day and you don't want to fall into the mistake of making every day in the training week, a medium day or else where's the recovery?
0: Yes, this is exactly like strength training and how it's advised for runners to put a hard lifting workout after a hard running workout because that day is going to be very challenging. But that then allows your body to gain more fitness. It's a stronger stimulus for adaptation. And then, you know, the following day, you might have a day off completely where you don't do any exercise at all with the exception of maybe some 10, 15, 20-minute recovery routine, which might be dynamic stretches, yoga, or even a light, you know, core workout or something along those lines. But, you know, to me as a coach, that is exactly uh, how, You know, you should structure it on a micro level, you know, kind of placing hard runs with hard strength training or other types of cross training like yoga. But then on a more macro level, you're absolutely right. You know, as runners, our primary form of exercise, the thing that we have to prioritize is running. And if we're doing brutally hard yoga sessions while we're trying to do, you know, challenging long runs and really fast workouts and overall high mileage, you know, something's going to break. And and I think uh, that advice is, is really comforting for me to hear as a coach, uh, that you're kind of prioritizing a runner's most important thing, which is running, uh, and then using yoga as a supplement to it, something that enhances your running rather than competes with it.
1: Perfect, exactly.
0: Now, do you think runners should, should work on leveling up their yoga practice and, and try to accomplish more challenging or complex movements, or should they pretty much stick with the basics?
1: I think the basics are going to serve you longer if the running continues to be your primary goal. But if you have a a change of heart and all of a sudden you really want to be on the cover of Yoga Journal with your foot behind your head, then you're going to have to sacrifice some of the stiffness that you need to run well. In service of the flexibility, you need to achieve some of those poses. But let me tell you, as someone who's gotten into some of those advanced poses, nothing special happens when your foot goes behind your head and something bad might happen. You might hurt yourself trying to get there. So it's, it's not the, um, the end point that is going to make anything special happen. Just like in running, it's really the practice of building toward the goal that teaches you about yourself that's more important than actually getting the medal at the end of any race.
0: How do you talk to runners who are a little bit hesitant about yoga because they're turned off by any hint of woo-woo, Eastern medicine kind of alternative, uh, you know, that whole vibe? What, what do you say to runners who, who want nothing to do with that but do want the kind of practice and exercise of yoga?
1: right? Um, Two ways in for them. One is to encourage them to keep looking and try a different teacher or a different studio, because when you find the right one, it's a lot like finding the right running shoe. And you're like, oh, where have you been all my life? This is perfect. And I was just in the wrong shoe before. I was in the wrong place before. Another way to do it might be to go in kind of through a side door, um, through the practice of Pilates, which is complementary to yoga and actually gives a lot of the same benefits that we've already talked about. It can be so good for us um, to balance our bodies as runners, but is generally a little less woo-woo.
0: Yeah, Pilates to me is, is a little bit more core focused. And uh a little bit less general flexibility focused. Am, am I off base with that?
1: Well, the flexibility that you get in Pilates just kind of comes organically from the core strengthening stuff that you do. And I like it for runners because it's not a gratuitous flexibility for flexibility's sake. Um, because we don't need to be that flexible to run well. We just need to be able to move through the running stride with some fluidity um, so that we don't have a hitch that leads to injury. But we really don't need the levels of flexibility that you would see in a yoga poster, for example. Um, so, well, yes, Pilates definitely has the goal of building core strength. There's some, some beautiful um, organic flexibility work that comes through the practice that I think is probably going to be sufficient for most runners if they don't have some kind of pathological tightness.
0: Can you speak to uh, a little bit the fact that, you know, you've mentioned previously that, you know, you don't have to be super flexible to be a good runner. You simply have to go through the proper range of motion of a running stride without any hitches. And you've also mentioned muscle stiffness. Can you talk about stiffness and flexibility and yoga and running and how they all work together and are related?
1: I feel like there is, on some level, a, a zero sum game happening there, um, and I alluded to that earlier when I said if you're trying to get your foot behind your head, you're probably going to need to sacrifice a little bit of the, the stiffness that you purposely have built as a runner. So I feel like there's a spectrum and what we want for runners in a yoga class is to find the right middle ground in that spectrum so that they don't go too far to destabilize and um, release all of the sport specific stiffness that they have, but that they get enough so that they can feel comfortable in their bodies and they have enough flexibility to tie their shoes. But beyond that, they don't need to get their head to their knees in a forward fold, for example.
0: Right. Now, when it comes to muscle stiffness, what is that? I've, I've written about this in the past, and it's always a topic and uh, a concept that is, can be a little bit difficult to explain and really have it connect with folks. Cause it's not, you know, I can barely touch my toes. It's more, you know, my muscles are tense when they're absorbing force from the running stride. Can, can you help me explain that?
1: I think you gave a pretty good example of it right there. I think, yeah, I think the problem is the word stiff does connote like that feeling you get when you get off the couch after your long run, you know, five hours right. after your Which long run. Which is never a like, fun experience. Oh, no, no, I'm so stiff and I have to kind of waddle over to the kitchen to get another glass of water. It's not like that. It's it's more of a springiness and um, a, a high tone, like a, a, a sense of ability and um, the ability to contract well and to move energy through the system.
0: Yeah. I like to use the example of, you know, you can bounce really well on a pogo stick because it's very stiff and it absorbs and then releases a lot of the force of you jumping up and down on it. If you made a pogo stick out of a twizzler, it's not going to work because it's not (laughs) stiff. It's not going to absorb any of that force. It's just going to collapse and you know lose all of that energy there's no energy return and when we talk about running and the stride stiffness and tension that's really what we're talking about is can you land and really have your leg stiffen up so that it absorbs that energy returns it so that your stride is much more economical and wastes less energy and I think that yoga can help you move through that stride very fluidly but you don't have to be a gymnast you don't have to be uh, you know, a 500 hour yogi to get all the, uh, you know, the benefits of that, you know, a little bit goes a long way.
1: Exactly. And that's where a more movement-based style of yoga, like flow yoga or vinyasa yoga, uh, can be really helpful because you're moving in and out of the poses and your muscles have to work at different, um, levels of contraction, you know, like toward the the longer end and toward the shorter end. And you get to develop a control throughout the whole range of motion that serves you really, really well as a runner.
0: So Sage, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk with you, not just because you've written the book on yoga for runners and, and really a series of books on yoga for athletes, but because you do actively work with athletes on a regular basis uh, on their yoga practice. And I'm sure that you've encountered a lot of bullheaded type A runners like me <laughs> who are making a lot of mistakes with their yoga Uh, I was wondering if you could go through some of the common errors or training mistakes that you see runners make when they get into yoga and and maybe also some advanced mistakes that people who have been doing it for years, but they're still kind of, you know, thinking about it incorrectly.
1: Right. One common mistake is to pay too much attention to what's going on in the room and not enough attention to what's going on in your body, Um, especially if you're in a mixed class that has some tighter bodies, you know, some newer uh, folks who are making the move to use yoga to complement their running, but also some yoga teachers or some ex-gymnasts or some people who tend toward the floppier end of the spectrum. And they can make the poses look easy because they have the levels of flexibility required to make them look easy, but that doesn't mean that that's right for your body. So it's really important to, as we like to say, keep your eyes on your own mat and not worry too much about what's going on around you because part of the beauty of the practice for running is to tune into the sensation in your body better. And that serves you well when you're out on the course. So you, you got to kind of put on some horse blinders and not look to the left or the right. Just look at the teacher and listen to her words and, and hear like, what is the right level here? Where should you be feeling it here? And, um, another really good barometer there for knowing that you're doing things right is your breath. And if you find yourself holding your breath or you're grunting or or your breath gets caught up in any way, that's usually a sign that you're over-efforting into the pose. Maybe that you got swept up in a sense of competition, which of course is important for us uh, to achieve on the running course, but not really helpful in the yoga studio. Yes. Another uh, okay. mistake I see people make is to come to class too close to a peak event. Uh, and well, you can take somebody who has years of practice in a class and and he might be totally fine um, coming to class the day after a marathon PR. Uh, one guy who always comes is like, oh, he's got another PR. And now he's down to 245 and now he's down to 240. And he's driven back from New York you know, to North Carolina and comes on onto the mat. Well, he can do that. That's just not generally, I'd much rather just have somebody go take the dog for a walk of one mile and not feel like they need to come to class in a state of that level of fatigue. Because at that point, I think you're kind of hitting diminishing returns. Or conversely, people come to class because they have taper madness, and they've got a whole bunch of energy to burn. So they'll show up and think, oh, I'll do yoga. Yoga is easy. But if the sequence that day is actually not that easy, you could wind up kind of spending some of your reserved energy uh, that you meant to use on the race out on the yoga mat. And that would be another problem
0: the taper crazies are a, yeah. such a real phenomenon.
1: <laughs> I, know. I know,
0: Yeah, they can certainly lead runners to do all, all sorts of crazy things that are not in the interests of their race. Um, but you're absolutely right about keeping your eyes on your own, mat and not looking around and comparing yourself to others. Runners do this all the time with, you know, how many miles a week are you running? What's your long run at? What are your splits like from that workout? I think runners are by almost their nature, people who like to compare themselves to others because our sport is so objective. We can put a number on someone's performance and then rank those just simply by which one is faster and which one's slower. And I think that's kind of a a mental hitch that a lot of runners have. But we have to understand that, you know, whether we're in the yoga room or we're in the weight room trying to squat some weight, it's not a competition. And, you know, I remember doing... Bikram yoga and looking around at very competent people, and I was not one of them, and trying to do a challenging Bikram yoga class after, oh, over 80 miles a week of running. I remember doing a Sunday night class all the time. This was after a weekend of running, you know, close to 30 miles total. It was really challenging, and I I understood that if I was doing poses like the competent people in my class, then I probably wouldn't, uh, been able to train as hard as I was. I was, so it, it's that balancing act that you were talking about. And I think that's, uh, really important to kind of keep in mind as any runner goes to a yoga class or, or is just doing them themselves at home.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I wanted to transition a little bit and talk about the mental side of yoga because I think this is just as valuable um, as the physical side of things. And I, I enjoyed going to a yoga class after, you know, a hard week of training. And part of the reason was because it was you know, an hour or maybe an hour and a half for me to unwind and focus without struggling too much. You know, it's not like I'm focusing during a tempo run or something like that. Uh, And I just got this hour of calm that was so different from running. Can you talk about some of the mental benefits of yoga and how that can transfer over really well to running?
1: Absolutely. One I already mentioned is the sense uh, of equanimity, the ability to come back to center even as circumstance is changing. Uh, another is your awareness of your breath, which has direct application to your running. And breath is so key to well, it's key to everything we do all the time. But it's especially at the forefront in a yoga practice is we often cue the movements to the breath. Uh, And that's a beautiful thing for runners to pay attention to at every pace, like how is my breath coordinating with my movement? What foot is hitting the ground when I start my breath in and how many steps am I taking on that inhale? What foot is hitting the ground as I start my breath out? How many steps does the exhalation last? How does my pace vary from warm up to 10K pace to 5K pace to 400 meter pace? Um, All of these are really good questions for folks to have answers to so that they have a baseline breath to come back to. And paying attention to the breath helps to develop um, a sense of focus, uh, a sense of single pointed concentration is the term that we use sometimes in yoga class. And we also develop that, not just with awareness of the breath, but with a gazing point. Uh, you might remember from your Vikram experience, there would be a direction like, look at your eyes in the mirror. Or if you're in another class, and they'll say, like, look back towards your belly button or look down toward the floor so that you feel a little bit more steady in your balance pose. Um, that's it. That's what we call in yoga drishti or gazing point, And that's really helpful. And that works for us as runners. We're all familiar with that. We're like, just run to that mailbox. Just run to that lamppost. Just run to the mile marker and then I get to walk for one minute. Or whatever it is. Uh, another way that we learn focus is through mantra. Mantra is a word that just means mind tool. So we all know that as runners as well. And if you have a song stuck in your head, that's a mantra. If you're counting um, steps or whatever, that's a mantra. And if you've got a, a mantra like light and smooth. Finally, a way that yoga really helps us is it develops a sense of presence as well. And I like to define presence as awareness of many things at once so focus is your ability to sustain attention on one thing over time presence is your ability to hold many things in your awareness at one time depending on the kind of competition you do if you compete you might be more in the focus camp or more in the presence camp so focus would be you running for your own personal best time but presence is really critical if you're racing for place or if you're racing cross country or if you're um, if you're racing like a super long distance because you've got to be aware of more than just your pace, but also where's your next aid station, um, what's the terrain like uh, and several other things at once
0: to me these are skills that lend themselves really well to running races because there's there's a lot of anxiety that can be paired with racing particularly when you are putting a lot of pressure on yourself to either finish well or run faster than you've ever have before and when you get into those situations you know you can be at mile 18 of a marathon and things start going south or you know things are even going well, but you're feeling the normal fatigue that, you know, comes with being at mile 18 of a marathon. And to be in those scenarios, that position, you have to be able to focus on the task at hand while being aware of your surroundings. And, you know, I was able to get, you know, pretty decent at this just through a lot of repetition. But I think because I learned, you know, how to be a runner, when I first started running, we didn't have GPS watches, you know, the the internet was barely around at the time. And I do feel like at this point in time, we should be doing everything we can to boost our ability to single task, to focus, and to really be present on what we're doing. Because there's so many distractions today. And if you can take a step back and run your long runs without any music or no podcasts, uh, sacrilege coming from a podcaster <laughs> right now. <laughs> But, you know, do things that require you to single task, things like long runs without any earbuds, or a 90-minute yoga sequence once a week, or even just 30 minutes a couple times a week. You know, these are skills that are going to help you develop mental fitness, which I think carries over to running because running is such a mental sport. And if you can build mental skills and fitness in other areas of your life, that is only going to help your running and only help you become a better runner. Right on. So Sage, this has been really uh, interesting to me. I I love talking about things that where I only know a little little bit about because I get to learn so much and uh, I I really appreciate you being here. Now, I'll be the first one to admit yoga is not my specialty and uh, I'm just not very knowledgeable about the practice. And so with that said, is there anything that I missed today that our listeners should know about yoga that could potentially help their running?
1: We didn't get time to talk too much about my favorite style of yoga, which is called restorative yoga. It is every bit as good as it sounds. It's lying around on pillows and blankets by candlelight with, you know, soft music playing and you just lie there. And the goal of each of the restorative yoga poses is never to feel a stretch, but instead to soothe your nervous system, which is a way to jumpstart your recovery. So um, it's a really beautiful compliment to an active yoga practice. And it's a really beautiful compliment to, um, to your running. And give yourself a chance for that total timeout. Like you said, 90 minutes of not having to think about other things. If this is um, just as good as a massage. And I say that as the owner of a spa and massage school. <laughs> restorative yoga is the cheaper version and it's absolutely lovely once you have the skills to relax uh, and the harder you can relax and the better you can recover then the more you can bring your best self to bear on your next workout or your next race
0: well i haven't heard of this practice of yoga i'm not familiar with it whatsoever can can you tell us more about it i mean what what would a restorative yoga session look like
1: in a 90 minute session, you would probably do four poses or maybe five and you'd hold each of them for somewhere between like 15 and 25 or even 30 minutes completely supported by props. So do you know a pose called legs up the wall, Jason?
0: I, I can guess, but I don't officially yeah, know. So
1: it's like taking an L pose at the wall. And that's something that is in and of itself, prop free, nice for your recovery, because it helps to, um, recirculate some of the interstitial fluid that accumulates in your ankles, say during your long run. So legs up the wall would be great to do after you get out of the shower after your long run. But in a restorative yoga class, you would do it with all kinds of props underneath you. Like you would have a bolster underneath your hips and you would have blankets underneath your back so that you can stay there for a long time without feeling the hard floor. You might have a pillow and an eye pillow over your face and a sandbag over your feet to help weight your um, thigh bones down into your hip sockets and help settle and soothe. It's designed to work on the nervous system so to engage the relaxation response and to ramp up the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. Um, And it's just delicious. So uh, restorative class would be a few... Poses held for a really long time, but without uh, much sensation at all to give your body time to just kind of float away. Sometimes, and I teach restorative, uh, I say we're playing the edge, we're just playing the other edge. And we know as runners what the upper edge is like, <laughs> you know, it's, where you can just barely keep it together and, and maintain a constant pace. Um, but there's another edge, and it's down at, at the soft side of things. And the worst thing that happens if you mess up at that edge is you fall asleep. And that's not the end of the world. <laughs>
0: no certainly not this sounds like something that would be really beneficial say the week after you run a marathon
1: absolutely
0: so at the end of a season when you're really tired you're just ready to to not exercise for a little while and let your body recover and get back to neutral this is the the time and place for restorative yoga
1: it's also a really nice rest day practice, and it's a good practice to do the day before or even two days before a marathon where you might be getting a massage. You could swap it out for restorative yoga.
0: Well, great, Sage. This was awesome. I, I now know more about different types of yoga and 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 more about, you know, the what I liked about this conversation was not just how, you know, you talked about the benefits of yoga and how to get started and what you can expect, but you know, your expertise and passion for yoga really came across. And, and I just want to thank you for that. And I appreciate you coming on the show to talk more about how we can all benefit from yoga. Because I think as runners, we all we just want to run. But there's so many other things that we can do <laughs> in our training to supplement our running and to really enhance our running. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the great questions and conversation
0: all right i hope you enjoyed my discussion about yoga and the many reasons it can help your running with the always entertaining and educational sage roundtree i also want to let you know that we have a great yoga sequence available on the strength running blog it's about 10 minutes it focuses on a hip opening sequence and is really great once or twice a week to help you keep feeling supple and ready for those long runs and challenging workouts if you go to strengthrunning.com yoga you'll be able to see the video and a description of the routine and but finally before you turn me off today you should definitely check out steady md which is led by sub three marathoner dr josh emder the goal is to give you a personal primary care doctor online that's just for runners to help you stay fit healthy injury free and competitive the best part. There are no copays, waiting rooms, or surprise bills. Instead, you're gonna get same-day responses from a doctor who's there for you 24-7. Now, if you've ever seen a doctor or even a physical therapist who doesn't have any experience with runners or treating injuries or training, then you know how valuable this is to hard-charging athletes. Having a doctor who gets you, who understands training and your running goals is priceless. Go to SteadyMD.com slash StrengthRunning to see if there are any spots left and how you can benefit from having a PCP who's also a runner. That's SteadyMD.com slash StrengthRunning to see all the details. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for all the recent Apple Music reviews. I appreciate those so much. And until next time, we'll be in touch soon.